Good morning, Mayor. Good Arab Shabbos, everybody, and good Chodesh. Yes, today is Rosh Chodesh Adar Sheni. Adar, very quickly, the Aleph refers to the Alufo Shel Olam, Master of the Universe, Dar. He dwells in our midst. How appropriate for Pashas Pekude. In this week's parasha, which, by the way, there are none of the 613 mitzvos according to the Chinuch in this week's parsha of Pekudei. It is a Shabbos Chazak. We have the privilege of finishing the second Sefer, Sefer HaGeula, as the Ramban calls Sefer Shmos. Now, in Parshas Pekudei, we learn and read of the actualization of the divine project to build a sanctuary to Hashem. The Ramban teaches that the Mishkan was a continuation of Har Sinai. And just as at Har Sinai we received some of the 613 mitzvot and the process of receiving the rest of the Torah was to be through Hashem's communicating with Moshe at the Mishkan. As it says earlier, in Pasha's Truma, it is there that I will set my meetings, Hashem said with Moshe, with you, and I shall speak with you <coughs> from atop the cover of the Oron, everything that I shall command you to the children of Israel. Now, that this most holy endeavor of creating an abode for Hashem. One would imagine that the book of Shmos would conclude with the actualization of the divine promise. We would expect that we would read of Moshe's entering the Mishkan and receiving communication from Hashem. Ouch! Two hours surprise this is not the way Sefer Shmos ends. Instead, almost to our dismay, the Torah teaches at the very end of Pekude, in chapter 40, Pasuk 34, that the Anan, the cloud representing Hashem, covered the tent of meeting, and the glory of Hashem filled the Mishkan. Yet, the very next Pasuk teaches us, Moshe. Lavo. Moshe could not enter the tent of meeting for the cloud rested upon it and the glory of Hashem filled the tabernacle. How strange and difficult to understand. The whole purpose of the Mishkan was for Moshe to enter and indeed in next week's parasha Vayikra, Vayikra El Moshe, Hashem summons Moshe to the Mishkan and gives him the detailed laws of korbanos, of sacrifices. Well, why then could not Moshe enter immediately into the sanctuary upon its completion? Interestingly, we find the identical situation at the completion of the first Beis Migdosh by Shlomo HaMelech. On the day of its dedication, right before the very lengthy prayer of Shlomo HaMelech, we find the very similar language in the first book 
of Kings, Mulachim Aleph, chapter 8, Pasuk 10 and 11. And what are we told over there? And I quote, it was <coughs> as the Kohanim left the Mishkan, excuse me, the Mikdash, that the cloud filled the temple of Hashem. The Kohanim, however, could not stand and minister because of the cloud, for the glory of Hashem filled the temple of Hashem. Once again, the very purpose of the Beis Migdash, which is among other privileges, the place for man to offer sacrifices to Hashem, why could the Kohanim not actualize their function and potential? Rav Nevensol Shlita, in his Sichos for Sefer Shmos, suggests a most profound response. The Mishkan, and later on, the Beis HaMikdash, is clearly the manifestation and outpouring of love between Hashem and the Jewish people. We are taught that the donations came from those who were Nediv Lev, generous of heart, meaning that the majority of the donations were voluntary in nature. And the Torah describes the overwhelming response to the appeal for the construction of the Mishkan, so that Moshe had to culminate the collection because it exceeded their expectations. This is a manifestation of man's love for Hashem. The very building of a sanctuary ordained by Hashem is truly a manifestation of His love for the Jewish nation. As we find in Shira Shirim, Chapter 3, Pasuk Yud, Tocho Ratzuf Ava. The foundation of the Mesa Migdash was overlaid with love. The Mishkan was a fulfillment of God's desire to have an abode in this world, demonstrating again his great love for the Jewish people. However, Ava. Love by itself, unbridled, unchecked, without limitations, can be most detrimental. Proof, the tragic sin of Nodav and Avihu is characterized by the Torah in Vayikra as <coughs> The Torah says, Beh they approach Nodem Navihu, Hashem motivated by their abundant love, which led them to an Esh Zorah, a Shalot Hashem, which led them to offer an offering that was not commanded by Hashem. It is for this reason, suggests Rav Nevensol, that coupled with the love, there has to be a commensurate measure of Yira reverence for the sanctuary, which in effect kept the love in check, and together reverence and love provide the perfect atmosphere and environment for Hashem. The purpose of the Mishkan, as we said it before, was a continuation of Sinai. Note that at the giving of the Torah at Sinai, we find in Shmos chapter 19, Pasuk 10 through 15, several laws that needed to be implemented to ensure 
and maintain the reverence of the occasion. Among these enactments include the need for all to go to mikvah. Secondly, to abstain from relations with their spouse for three days prior to the revelation. And finally, hagbolas hahar, to set boundaries surrounding the mountain, lest anyone motivated by their incredible love for the Shekhinah would attempt to ascend the mountain. The giving of the Torah is a manifestation of Hashem's great love for the Jewish people as we recite daily in our tefillos in the second bracha before the recitation of the Shema Ava Rabba Avtanu with an abundant love <coughs> have you loved us Hashem you taught us the decrees of life your giving of the Torah reflects your faith your trust in us but this needed to be preceded and safeguarded by the infusion of the decrees reflecting reverence for the occasion. And similarly, regarding both the Mishkan and the first base on Migdash, even Moshe, the most modest of man, was unable to enter, teaching the realization of man's inadequacy, lack of true worthiness to enter his holy abode. It is only when man appreciates this sense of the incredible divide that exists between Hashem and man, only then can he enter and communicate with Hashem. We are familiar with the practice of taking three steps backwards before we begin the recitation of the Shemone Esrei, and then taking three steps forward beginning to pray. And the commentary, Tehillah David, in chapter Kufiyot Aleph, paragraph 1, notes that this is not considered a hefseik, an interruption between Geula and Tefillah. Baruchat Hashem Go'al Yisrael, three steps back, Hashem Svazai Tiftach, and only then do you begin Shimon Esrei. Why? As the very stepping back, according to the Sefer Rokeach, is a sign of man's humility and total subjugation to Hashem, and only then is he in the proper framework to address Hashem. In addition, the very recitation of the verse Hashem Svasai Tiftach from Tilim 51.17 is a further indication of man's inadequacy and needs divine assistance to pray. We see clearly from the above that the two emotions of reverence and love are to be blended as a prerequisite for entering the Mishkan. And it's interesting to note that Ava, love, which comes from the root have to give, is very often accompanied by an object. One selects a beautiful esrog or other object of mitzvah as a demonstration of their love of Hashem. Yira, on the other hand, reverence, is not characterized most often by giving, but rather just the opposite, by restricting oneself and abstaining from certain behavior. Thus, eating in the sukkah might be a demonstration of ava for Hashem, but not eating or drinking 
even that which is halakhically permissible to so do, refraining from even drinking a glass of water outside the sukkah, that would be an indication of yira. An individual taking upon themselves a more stringent observation, observance of the law is a demonstration of yira. The Chazonish, in his Sefer Emunos Videos, chapter 1, paragraph 13, posits that one who desires to improve and enhance their character traits should begin with Sur Meirah, abstaining from that which is negative, as it is relatively easy for man to do acts of goodness, but to curb one's behavior is exceedingly challenging. It is for this reason that Dovra Melech in Tilim 34 writes, as we say every Shabbos morning, Sur Meirah Tov, turn from evil and do good, putting Yira before Ava. And as we find as a prerequisite for Hashem to dwell in the Mikdash. Interestingly, when we are taught at the beginning of Truma, the Osuli Mikdash, Vishokanti Bisokham, make for me a sanctuary that I may dwell in them. Our rabbis note it doesn't say I will dwell in it, but rather I will dwell in them. I'd like to suggest that each person aspires to have a divine presence in them, and therefore each person has to strive to constantly improve their Yerashamayim to accompany their Avas Hashem, making oneself the proper receptacle for his Hashroas Hashchina, for his Hashkocha Pratis. The Gemara in Brachos 20b teaches, Kosha Yeshno Bishmira, Yeshno Bishira. Whoever is obligated to Shomer, to guard the Shabbos, to strictly abide by the restrictions of Shabbos, is equally obligated in the Zohar, the positive remembrance and enjoyment of Shabbos. Note, however, that this Talmudic teaching begins with the restrictions of Shabbos, teaching that commensurate with one's meticulous observance of the many details of the 39 prohibitions of Shabbos, will one appreciate the oneg, the delight of Shabbos. It begins with the yira, the reverence of Shabbos, and then one enjoys the ava, the love of Shabbos. A few practical examples of implementing Yira Shemayim. It's understandable that one is not to talk during davening in shul. But Yira Shemayim teaches us that one doesn't speak in shul before davening, after davening, other than tefillah and Talmud Torah. I want to buy your car? Let's talk in the lobby. Let's talk outside. We're not going to talk, even if they're not davening. I just can't talk and that shows great reverence for the synagogue. I'm wearing my tefillin. I can't talk anything but tefillah and Talmud Torah. Placing filters on technological devices, helping one to refrain from exposure to negative sights 
S I T E S and Sites S I G H T S is an outgrowth of the Yerushalayim. Even one's careful reciting of the benching and bracha chrona from a text, as opposed to reciting it by heart, again reflects the Yerushalayim. Unfortunately, we are all distraught and nervous over the recent invasion of the Ukraine by Russia. We are not only worried for the hundreds of thousands of Jews in the Ukraine, but we are reminded of the tenuous state of stability in our world. The Gemara in Yevamo 63a teaches that Puranios, misfortune, cam calamities, wars come to the world only on account of Yisrael. What does that mean? And this is substantiated by the Novi Tzfania, who says in the name of Hashem, I have eliminated nations, I have destroyed their streets, their cities have become ruins. And what does he say in the very next Pasuk, Tzfania chapter 3, Pasuk 6 and 7, Tikhu Musa, learn the lesson. What does that mean? Rashi understands this to mean that when Jews see punishment and devastation brought upon other nations, they should learn the lesson, to be fearful, lest they too will be punished. And this should move them to repent and improve their ways. Now Rashi here is referring to Yiras Haromimus, fear of retribution, which is one expression of Yira. And may this latest catastrophe quickly come to an end, but hopefully engender the words of the Navi Tzfarnia, leaving us to greater Yiras Shamayim. Shabbat Shalom to all.